Welcome to CPAC's Today in Politics. It's Wednesday, May 31st. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh says he won't trigger an election if the government ignores his motion to remove David Johnson and call a public inquiry into foreign interference. I want to continue to fight for a public inquiry because it's the right thing to do to give Canadians the answers to questions. I don't see how it's logical if the goal is to protect our democracy to then trigger an election when we're worried about foreign interference. Former Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole says he was targeted by China and the Canadian government did nothing about it. The briefing from CSIS confirmed to me what I had suspected for quite some time, that my parliamentary caucus and myself were the target of a sophisticated misinformation and voter suppression campaign orchestrated by the People's Republic of China. And the newly elected Premier of Alberta vows to fight for her province's energy sector. I think unfortunately, when you when you have the federal government that it has taken aggressive positions, proposing emissions caps, clean electricity regs that phase in a net zero electricity grid, a just transition of our oil and natural gas workers completely out of work. That I think is, has made people very wary of the federal government. Joining us is Michael Serapio, host of CPAC's Primetime Politics. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Julie. Well, so um, I was watching your show early, early this morning, and I see that you uh, interviewed uh, Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP. And frankly, he's getting a lot of questions about this, right? So he comes Mm -hmm. out with this hard-hitting, votable motion. Let's turf David Johnson. Let's have a public inquiry. Let's pick someone that the whole house agrees on, all the opposition parties, but there's no do this or else. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I, I think that all of those are big questions for, for the NDP leader to answer, right? Because, the, you know, for me, uh, when I started speaking with him, the, the first thing I, I said was because he, 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 he goes through great lengths or went through great lengths as he makes this announcement about the motion uh, to say this isn't about David Johnston personally. But how do you not affect someone's personal reputation when you basically say that they cannot be part of the process? And, you know, they try to make the argument that, you know, justice and basic basic law here, justice does not only need to be served, it must be seen to be served. And so David Johnston, given all the allegations or, or charges being made against him, and some of them very personal, as you know, um, basically disqualifies him from do, doing the job properly and so they want him to step down and that's because this perception of, of, of bias or the apprehension of bias is, is the terminology they use but ultimately that does uh, feed into this this narrative that David Johnston's character or ability to carry this out should be questioned so how does that not affect him personally and that was a question I was trying to ask him uh, he he was trying to to draw the line very very clearly uh, but you know, I, I think there's also some some bigger questions about you know why not use the hammer of the supply and confidence agreement if truly what he wants is to bring about a public inquiry, which you know members of the house say that they do want this. Uh, then he he of all the political party leaders is best equipped and has the most power because. The NDP support the the government uh, in order for them to stay in power uh, to to influence the prime minister. Uh, but you know his argument against that is, if I was to pull pull out of the supply and comps agreement, there, there, there's a few things to look into. First and foremost, it would not necessarily bring about a public inquiry. It would just revert a minority parliament into a true minority parliament, and 
if you pull out, well, that, that means that the, 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 the government may lose a, a confidence motion and then trigger an election. But that's not what he's trying to do here. He says he wants to get to the heart of the matter. He wants to address foreign interference before any type of an election w- would take place. And the flip side of that, too, are that there are agenda points that the NDP want to bring about, uh, including national dental care, which they have been a big part of. They're also pushing for national pharmacare. And they want these achievable goals uh, which which kind of run parallel to a goal of trying to bring about a public inquiry. So so it's without a doubt a political tightrope for for the uh, NDP leader to be walking, but certainly big questions around it. Well, like you say, like he's the only person because he's propping up the government that can mm-hmm. force mm-hmm. Justin Trudeau to call a public inquiry. Mm-hmm. So in their meetings, if he said, "If you don't call a public inquiry, I'm not supporting you anymore." Yeah. Like yeah. what 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 would happen? But, um, you know, as you as you say, I, I don't know how Canadians are, you know, absorbing his argument that if I pull the plug, uh, then uh, basically uh, we go into an election with all these questions in the air. But, you know, I mean, but on the other hand, uh, what are we listening to? A full day of debate yesterday. Is it nothing more than hot air? Well, and I it. it... That's a good question. Is it nothing more than hot air? Because yeah, I think there's a couple of things happening here, right? Like, I mean, there's one, the debate and the the practical implications of David Johnson and going in. And I think it's important to underline when he when he filed his first report a week ago, uh, Monday, the, the top line that everyone lobbed onto was that they do not that he's not calling for a public inquiry because that was quite frankly, the expectation that people had, that how can you not call public inquiry given the the public uproar on the issue of foreign interference? But there are also other things inside that report. And I think the prime minister was trying very hard to, to, to encourage Canadians to look at the report itself, because within that report, uh, he doesn't call for public inquiry, but he does talk about public consultations. So there is this public element to it. It, it gets to, uh, I guess, what some could argue is the, the bigger issue here. How do you prevent foreign interference from happening again? Rather than looking backwards, it would look forward rather than answering the questions of who knew what, when and why. But, you know, also, uh, David Johnston calls on um, Nisikop as well as the uh, as the public uh, public intelligence review agency to look into the same documents he did. And if they did not come to the same conclusions he did, he encourages them to to speak about that publicly. So there are I guess from David Johnston's point of view, layers of safeguards that he's tried to to, to make an argument for, but but the, up against that is the real political force of of the opposition party saying but, no, there's something more here. Yeah, but when you listen to all that, to the untrained ear, it all sounds like delayed tactics. Yeah, well, <laughs> you and, know and, what I mean. Like if you if you put people in a room like we had with the convoy inquiry. You don't get all your answers, but you get some clarity on certain issues, maybe more yeah. than now. Uh, yeah. But it's it's Michael, it's hard to say, like, unless Johnson quits, unless yeah. Trudeau changes his mind, unless Jugmeet Singh pulls a plug, isn't this going to continue to be a slow moving train? Well, it will be. And I, I think the question and this is and this 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 is almost cynical because the, the, the issue about it is very real. The issue is about foreign interference and making sure it doesn't happen again. But what is the political component of that? You know, for, without a doubt, there is also uh, 
there is an advantage for opposition parties to to paint, keep painting the government with this brush as well in going into an election campaign, so much so that uh, Pierre Poliev has already promised that if he were to win the next election, he would bring about a public inquiry. So, so you know, I, I, I think against that bigger, big question, though, too, Julie, is how much of, of this is actually a real issue outside of Ottawa? How much? And I think that's probably part of the political calculation. And, and, and that's and that's why I, I I preface it by saying it sounds cynical. But from a real politique point of view and going into an election campaign, how does this issue figure figure uh, into a larger narrative about the Trudeau government and whether or not that becomes the, the, the actual voting issue? Bearing in mind that no one says that the interference in 2019 and 2021 affected the final result. So if, for example, the, the government can point to a Johnston report, can point to a foreign uh, agents registry, which they are working on right now, if they can point to those things, does it diffuse the issue for the vast majority of Canadians outside of Ottawa? I well, think yeah, I mean, uh, that's hard to say. They may not, they're not, may not be listening to every little nuance, but they might wonder when they go to the polls, is, is my writing... Did my writing get impacted by anything? They they yeah. they might wonder unless you get a, a better airing. But <clears throat> uh, in the meantime, you talked about, you know, the fact it's a real issue. And we're seeing that in the comments yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like we've already heard from Michael Chong, how he was um, targeted by China. We've heard from Jenny Kwan of the yes. NDP. And yesterday, what did Aaron O'Toole, the former leader of the Conservative Party, tell us? Yeah, exactly. Right. And that's what I mean. This, this really is, it is a true issue. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to poo-poo that by, by saying that there are other considerations people are making along the sidelines. But this does have a practical effect because here we have the, the former leader of the Conservative Party essentially saying he too got a ceaseless briefing and that the the misinformation and essentially vote interference uh, and vote suppression was happening throughout his political career and through his run. And so clearly there is an, uh, another uh, member of parliament at the time leader of the official opposition being targeted by foreign actors, in this case, China, which, you know, I don't think anyone is in doubt that China tried to interfere somehow in the in the last couple of uh, federal elections. So so you're absolutely right. And I, I, I that is at the end of the day, the, the, at the heart of it, there's just a lot of politics floating around it as well. Right. And, you know, it's it's kind of sad when you think that Aaron O'Toole, uh, who was the former leader, um, you know, he's already indicated he's leaving politics. Mm -hmm. at the, you know, mm -hmm. this is probably one of his last speeches in the House. Yeah. Talking yeah. about how he was targeted and he, you know, had this whole briefing with CSIS. He had to be careful what he said. But um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty dramatic, pretty, pretty interesting. But speaking of interesting, let's get on to um, uh, Danielle Smith. You spoke to her last night. You've been a mm -hmm. busy boy. You, <laughs> you interviewed her and of course, she's sounding very bullish on the energy sector in her province. Yeah, uh, she's not keen on any emissions caps, uh, which the federal government, specifically Stephen Gilbo, the energy, uh, the environment minister, is working on. Do you see a collision course coming here? Oh well, without a doubt, it well, it it, it certainly has the potential of a collision course, and I think it it necessitates. Um, Ottawa, the federal government, the Trudeau government to to re-examine the tactics with which it's going to try to pursue this without a doubt, because, you know, 
in Alberta, and you know this, um, Ottawa is a popular punching bag. It, it 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 costs nobody to hit back on Ottawa, and it is actually a political plus to do that. So so I think that was going to happen whether it was Rachel Notley of the NDP or Danielle Smith of the UCP. But with Danielle Smith of the UCP, you have a leader who is not uh, pulled back punches at all. And in fact, in, even in her own victory speech, she, she spent the last part, about four or five minutes of the last part of her speech, essentially uh, warning Ottawa that we're not going to accept these admission targets. So so I think uh, that necessitates a change of tactic or, or perhaps, I don't know if it's a change, but perhaps a consideration of how they, they approach the issue. I, I think a couple of things stand out here though. Even if they, even if Danielle Smith who won, again, a second majority, is pushing back on emissions caps and uh, federal regulations on the energy industry. You know, she won a majority. The fact of the matter is, a good number of Albertans support her. Now, it does not mean to say, though, that they don't support environmental uh, objectives as well. In fact, she says, we support the idea of getting to net zero by 2050. What we are ultimately objecting to is the timeline which you want this to happen. And, you know, they... And the other thing is that they're looking at carbon emissions. They're not looking at methane emissions, which is kind of the next uh, issue down the pipe, because methane is also a challenge to, to climate change or a contributor to climate change. But when it comes to carbon emissions alone, you know, she she has the support of Albertans because it's a bread and butter issue out there. And so it will necessitate a change in policy when she is able to really hit hard on, on Ottawa and still comes out with a, uh, a, a, a second majority to, to, to have mandate for. Right. When, when she talks about 2050, I don't think the federal government's goal is 2050. I think it's no. way earlier, right? Yeah, 2030. So 2050 is 100 years away from now. Well, you I think know, they the, want to move faster than 2050. Yeah, I, I, I guess I should say the 2050 was the original goal. Right. The original goal right. was 2050, and it moved up to 2035. So they're trying. They still, but they, but the argument that she is making, and 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 at times less diplomatic than others. You know, when I was speaking about it yesterday, it was, you know, there's two Danielle Smiths, right? And it's the question is which Danielle Smith will, will come forward, the stateswoman versus versus the, the populist fighter. But when she speaks in a more stately voice, as she she did uh, yesterday, uh, she, she talks about, you know, um, it, it's, it's going to be costly, it's going to cost jobs, and it's going to, it's going to, fool around uh, or interfere with Alberta's prosperity. Right. And that's, that's a real bread and butter issue for understandably for people in the province. Right. And, and I noticed she said uh, in, in these interviews, similar things to you and uh, David Cochran, her former colleague, she basically said to him, we don't need an emissions cap at all because we'll let technology will solve the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, carbon sequestration and all this stuff. Um, and, and she's got a real thing for, uh, for Guilbeault, the environment minister. So, I mean, she, she really is hostile to him. And she's even said so in her, in when she says, I've spoken to the prime minister, you know, basically I don't like how Stephen Guilbeault speaks to us. So I'm just wondering if Wilkinson will take more of the lead when it comes to Alberta, Jonathan Wilkinson. I don't know. Or, but or, will, it, or, or, or will it, will it have to be basically an executive discussion between premier and prime minister that really leads right. it? Because, you know, right. uh, Trudeau did congratulate her yesterday. Yeah. She did tell Trudeau that she wants to restart the relationship. So, you know, I, I 
I think there, there are a lot of question marks around this. I will say, Julie, I was trying to figure out how do you progress with this policy issue if you have someone who is so oppositional to it and has popular support? And in my mind, I was I, I kept thinking back to 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 the Constitution, the, the Charlottetown Accord, asymmetrical federalism. Is this what's going to have to break down uh, when it comes to envir environmental policy that, you know, that you have uh, standards for the country, maybe something different for Alberta? Uh, especially since Rachel Notley, beyond this issue, also talks about, you know, confederation rather than federalism. And con confederation is stronger partners within a group uh, with more provincial say rather than just federal federal regulation. So, so I, I these are things that were swirling in my mind, you know, as I try to go to bed at night. <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't think we'd be talking about asymmetrical federalism at quarter to seven in the morning. <laughs> oh Not my God, you need a life. Okay. <laughs> I haven't heard about the charlatan accord in quite some time. So anyway, uh, but I, I, it's okay. I'm open to talking about all of it. I love it all. What can I say? What can I say? Yeah. So, so you move on, have a great day because it's beautiful. It's sunny out there. And uh, I will see you and talk to you soon. Okay, wear the sunscreen. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, terrific. <laughs> Bye, Michael. Bye. That's Michael Serapio, host of CPAC's Primetime Politics. The job is to represent uh, all Albertans. And I can tell you when I'm on the doors talking with people, what they tell us is we elect municipal, provincial, and federal reps to get the work done. We expect you all to work together. Now let's take a look at what political columnists, commentators, and editorialists are saying today. In the Toronto Star, Graham Thompson asks, which version of Danielle Smith Canada is about to get? He writes, one of the big unanswered questions from election night is who did Albertans elect as premier? Was it the moderate and reasonable Danielle Smith who determinedly focused on bread and butter issues during the campaign? Or will we see a return of the angry and divisive Smith of the UCP leadership race who campaigned against science, public health mandates, the RCMP and the Canada Pension Plan? Was the rational Daniel Smith of the election campaign the new face of a chastened government? Or was that a facade? In the Globe and Mail, Gary Mason argues the country should brace for what Daniel Smith has in store. He writes, now that Daniel Smith has four more years of runway, will we see her pursue some of her pet hobby horses? Will she attempt to set up her own provincial pension plan, opting out of the federal one? say so long to the RCMP and set up her own provincial police force, insist on managing immigration policy like Quebec, dust off her Sovereignty Act and try and usurp federal powers in any number of areas. Alberta in 2023 is not the Alberta of even 10 years ago. As David Coletto of Abacus said, the election exposed huge cleavages with traditional Alberta on one side and a newer contemporary Alberta on the other. One side is delirious today, and the other is beyond despair. The election result could reverberate in Alberta and in Canada for a long, long time. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will chair the National Caucus meeting, then will attend question period. In Montreal, Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will deliver a keynote address at the 2023 Laborers International Union of North America Canadian Conference about the government's plan to grow the clean economy and create new opportunities for unionized Canadian workers. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will attend the NDP caucus meeting. 
He will also take questions from reporters before attending question period. Later in the day, he will meet with the new Economy Canada. Defence Minister Anita Anand will provide a keynote address at the Canadian Association of Defence and Security Industries annual defence industry trade show in Ottawa. And in St. John's, Newfoundland, Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson will give a keynote address at the Energy NL annual conference and exhibition, followed by a joint clean fuels announcement in Come By Chance with Labour Minister Seamus O'Regan. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, May 31st. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. I'm Julie Van Dusen. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.